Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Our good friend, Professor Jeffrey Sachs, joins us today. Uh, Professor Sachs, thanks very much. Uh, we know your time is precious, and it's very much appreciated. Great to be with you. I, I want to talk to you mainly about uh, Israel and Hamas and the IDF and the truce there and the likely events to follow it. But before we do, before we get there, what is your understanding of the current military uh, situation in Ukraine? Uh, the last uh, we discussed this, there was public feuding between President Zelensky and General uh, Zeluzhny. Uh, the borders had been closed so that uh, people subject to the draft couldn't leave. The government is contemplating a draft of 17, age 17 to age 70, 70 of both genders, uh, and elections in 2024 have been canceled. I mean, none of this looks very good, but what's your understanding of the military situation between Russia and Ukraine as we speak? Ukraine uh, has lost this war, and uh, it's a tragedy because uh, after losing this war, in effect, every day that goes on is uh, a loss of... Uh, hundreds or sometimes more than a thousand uh, Ukrainians uh, each day to deaths and to uh, grievous uh, wounds on the battlefield. So it's uh, terrible what's happening. Uh, the reason for this uh, purported mass mobilization, which they're so far not able to carry out because no one's coming forward, uh, the morale is uh, at bottom, is that the losses that Ukraine has incurred are in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, there are a range of estimates, of course, nobody knows, uh, maybe even the most insiders don't really know uh, the exact count, but hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have been killed and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have been uh, badly wounded. Uh, and some estimates, uh, say it's uh, 500,000 killed plus wounded. Others put it at a million or more, Oof. but it's a huge number. Uh, Ukraine has run through, in fact, uh, several full armies. Uh, what equipment was sent has basically been lost, uh, and the much... Uh, hyped and vaunted uh, counteroffensive that started in June failed. Uh, Ukraine took uh, essentially uh, no 
territory, all of the big claims that it would make its way to uh, the Sea of Azov, that it would cut uh, Crimea from the mainland of Russia, uh, were not even close calls. There was uh, nothing of the sort happening. Uh, and now the initiative uh, is in Russia's favor all along uh, the extensive front line from Kherson region uh, all the way uh, uh, up uh, to uh, the, the north. And so this is a, a dire situation. That's why the leaders are feuding. That's why uh, clearly in the U.S. and in Europe there is great consternation. Biden would love nothing more than for all of this to go away so we can have a re-election campaign. This is a debacle for his administration. Uh, we had a really terrible, shocking report by the lead Ukrainian negotiator with Russia back in March and April 2022, David Arakamia, who heads Zelensky's party in the Ukrainian parliament saying clearly something I knew that we've discussed and I knew it from the inside, but uh, we hear it now from Ukraine's lead negotiator. There was a peace agreement on the table that was stopped by the United States and the UK because they wanted the Ukrainians to fight on. This, this is, is the this is the peace agreement that uh, Boris Johnson himself flew to Kiev in order to in, in, interfere with. That is correct. There is a general principle in the world that anyone that listens to Boris Johnson doesn't have their head on straight. <laughs> what, no, a general principle. Honest to God, that's a general principle because that guy really is one of the most irresponsible people to uh, have uh, his moment of. Uh, political power that, that we've had in a long time. But he actually went to Kiev uh, in early April, no doubt carrying uh, the message of the United States also, right. and said, told them, no, you don't sign that. We, we don't have your back on that. We do not accept neutrality. Fight on. Of course, we have our senators who have even written things that are so gross and detestable uh, like Blumenthal, like Mitt Romney, who said, fight on. This is great value for U.S. money. We're not losing any dead. Uh, and we're showing China how strong we are. You know, you cannot make this stuff up. Right. These are supposed to be grown-ups and deliberators. And so the basic point is Ukraine is in a terrible situation. We put them there, let's be frank, because they could have had neutrality and they could have had peace. By the way, right. they could have avoided the war altogether. Right. If the they've United lost, States, they've the United lost, States uh, not pushed this. They've lost a generation of young men. Yeah, by the way, in addition to the terrible, shocking levels of deaths and wounded, they've lost millions and millions of people, some who have gone to Russia, some who have gone to Western Europe. Uh, some who are living uh, in what is now uh, territory uh, governed by Russia. Ukraine itself, we don't even know the population, but the estimates are that uh, between 10 and 20 million people are not there because of migration uh, right. and, uh, and the war itself. So 
It's a terrible situation. They are led by ideologues who outlawed negotiation after coming close to signing it. Right. Now we've heard the truth. You know, it's so rare to hear the truth. It, it just kind of gets blurted out. It's obvious if you're on the inside of these things, but when you try to say it on the outside that the official narratives dominate, but we've heard the truth. This is a war over NATO enlargement. That right. means a war that never should have taken place. The secretary general of NATO blurted out the truth when he spoke to the European uh, Union Parliament. Now the chief negotiator blurted out the truth. Uh, a few months ago, the former prime minister of Israel blurted out the truth and he had to cover his tracks because someone told him, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Right. But the truth is this war never should have happened. The United States pushed Ukraine into this. It could have stopped right away. And now it's a complete disaster. And to this day, the United States leadership can't get it in their heads to call Putin and say, you know, that NATO enlargement thing, that was really a dumb idea. Can we find a way out of this mess? And that's the call that should happen any moment on a daily basis. I'll do it again. If President Biden needs my Zoom account, I can give him a Zoom account so he can make this call. But he has not picked up the phone or dialed a Zoom so that he can talk to his counterpart and get this disaster ended. Switching to... Um... Israel and Gaza, from your experience with and your observation observations of ceasefires, truces, whatever you want to call them, do they have a way of spreading because of the era of good feeling that happens during them? Or do the combatants typically uh, regroup, regroup, become more lethal and salivate until they can start killing again? It is clear that uh, basically the vast majority of the world community, that means the nations of the United Nations, the member states, the uh, nations uh, that are in the 15-member UN Security Council, want this ceasefire to turn into peace. And I spoke in the UN Security Council last week, and the desire for this war to end is everywhere, except, I would say, inside the Israeli cabinet. The Israeli cabinet is now a mix of a few normal politicians, Netanyahu, who is god-awful, and some absolute right-wing extremists, like the finance minister, uh, Bezalel Smotrich uh, and the uh, security, national security minister Ben Gavir, who are telling uh, Netanyahu today, and it's reported uh, in the press again, no more hostage exchanges, no more ceasefires. We got to get in and kill Hamas. And what that means, we know because it's not a secret, it's a tragedy witnessed every day. That means killing tens of thousands of innocent civilians. They don't care. They don't care. It, these, you, are war, the, these are war crimes. The, so the, how this comes down is what is the United States going to do? Where right. is the U.S. leadership? Because Israel can't do this without the United States. Does the president have 
what a president's supposed to have, and that's the ability to decide something in the world's interest and especially in the American interest. The American interest is for this mass killing and war crimes in Gaza to stop. Does Joe Biden, uh, is he getting cold feet over his wedded at the hip to anything the Israeli cabinet wants to do? Is he beginning to understand what you just described as a world consensus uh, and even as a consensus in the United States? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Our politicians, and Joe Biden is nothing if not a politician, have been trained for generations, show no space with Israel. That's American politics. That's their training. That's their instinct. That's what they reach for. So when Biden basically said at the beginning, we have your back, he was just going with the handbook 101 of U.S. politics and Israel. Now, they're shocked. They're shocked because America is not what they thought. American public opinion is not support Israel on all things. Americans are watching what's happening. They are brokenhearted by the thousands and thousands of deaths of children under the rubble. They're shocked by the grossness of these uh, politicians in Israel, Smotrich and Ben Gavir and others. How does Ben Gavir have such power? I mean, he told uh, the IDF not even to permit the Palestinian people to celebrate and to manifest joy when their prisoners have been returned. He must be truly a monster if he thinks he can outlaw joy at normal human happiness. Look, this cabinet of uh, Netanyahu, uh, before it was uh, expanded a little bit as a so-called unity cabinet, was the most right-wing cabinet in Israel's history. Israel was already coming apart at the seams with hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating against this government. Netanyahu is, is a scourge for Israel. He's pulling the country apart was doing so before October 7 and is doing so now. And his government included these extreme rightists who are so vulgar that what they're saying is being taken down by the lawyers as evidence of genocidal intent. That's mm. how we, that's how extreme the rhetoric is. Uh, we have uh, uh, legal uh, 
institutions uh, in the United States, uh, the Center for Constitutional Rights among them, which are collecting just the verbatim statements of these uh, members of uh, the Netanyahu cabinet as evidence of genocidal intent. That means, boy, you're, you're not watching your mouth. Uh, you're doing things that are so outrageous, so vulgar, that the whole world is shocked. And so, that is the reality right now. Two, two sets of numbers for you, Professor Sachs. Over the weekend, the New York Times reported that more women and children have been killed in eight weeks in Gaza than have been killed in 18 months in Ukraine. Second set uh, of uh, figures. Uh, the Israelis uh, have released about 35 to 40 Palestinian prisoners. They have arrested, according to Al Jazeera this morning, 133 Palestinians while walking on the streets of the West Bank, three times the number they have released. The war in Ukraine, which is a tragedy which could end today if Biden would recognize his blunders, uh, stop the NATO enlargement, uh, has by and large been a war of uh, armies attacking armies or of missiles against uh, industrial infrastructure. And uh, of course, thousands of people have been killed, but they have not been targeted. And this observation that has been made uh, in uh, recent uh, days that the killings in of civilians in Gaza exceed the civilian deaths as best as we know in all of the Ukraine war is because Israel knew Gaza is a tightly packed place of people living uh, in uh, in crowded areas and they bombed the hell out of them and they bombed the schools and they bombed the clinics and they bombed the hospitals they knew now they say it's to fight Hamas but they also whether that is what they're doing or, or what they're thinking or not thinking they also said that their goal was to make Gaza, uninhabitable. And they're doing that. Northern Gaza has basically been half or more destroyed. People can't go back. Right. Their homes are in rubble right now. <laughs> and now they're talking, at least this Smotrich uh, and Ben Gavir, and uh, I'm sure it's Netanyahu's instinct also. Uh, and they're, you know, although Netanyahu, looks to the United States, which could stop this, but they're talking about going into southern Gaza where the people have fled and doing the same thing, killing them there. Right. So this, this is uh, what, what we're facing right now. Has, has um, the Israeli government lost, or is it on the verge of losing the PR war in the West and if they lose the PR war in the U.S., how critical is that to them? Well, first of all, Israel cannot carry this war one day without the United States. And that is really the responsibility of the United States. We've been through this many times, by the way. You know, in 1973, uh, in the uh, so-called Yom Kippur War, 
after Egypt made the initial surprise breakthrough, uh, Israel uh, responded, retaliated, crossed the Suez Canal, could have uh, made its way onto Cairo. Henry Kissinger stopped it, saying, don't do that, make peace. And Kissinger played an extremely constructive role then. But what it illustrates is the United States can stop this. That is what a president is hired to do, actually. That's in America's security interest, actually in Israel's security interest as well. So that's what a president's supposed to do. And and could it, it could be done. What is Israel doing? These extremists think, for whatever reason, uh, and I can think of some of these reasons, none of them justified, they think we don't have to listen to public opinion at all. Uh, anyway, America will have our back. Anyway, we do what we want. The world's always against us and so forth. The world's not always against Israel. That is so phony and so wrong. The world is against what Israel is doing right now, not against Israel. Here. But this idea that we don't have to listen because they hate us anyway, which is phony, just these people don't get out of, I don't know, they don't understand the world. I see it every day because I'm all over the world. Right, right. Uh, Here's but, you the... know, anyway, the, the, the point is Israel is deeply endangering itself. To save Israel, in my view, what I called for last week in the UN Security Council, and I'm calling for it again, Today, the UN Security Council should recognize the state of Palestine as a UN member state. Oof. Stop this 50-year-plus drama. Have the state of Palestine recognized as has been part of UN Security Council resolutions going back actually to 1967 to just after the Six-Day War, and then have the two sides live side by side and have UN peacekeepers there to help make that possible. Of course, you know, the United States will veto that in the Security Council. I want to play okay. a clip for yes. you. This is from 2006. You have seen this before, I know. You'll recognize the person immediately and uh, you'll agree with what he has to say. Cut number Three, Chris. His new book is called Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. And President Carter, why did you use the word apartheid in the book's title? Well, let's look at the entire title, if you don't mind. The first word is Palestine, which involves the land that belongs to the Palestinians, not the Israelis. I didn't refer to Israel because there's no semblance of anything relating to apartheid within the nation of Israel. And I also emphasize the word not, uh, that is peace and not apartheid. That's what I hope to accomplish with this book, is some move toward that goal. But there's no doubt that within the occupied territories, Palestinian land, that there is a horrendous example of apartheid. The uh, occupation of Palestinian land, the confiscation of that land that doesn't belong to Israel, the building of settlements on it, the colonization of that land, and then the connection of those isolated but multiple settlements, more than 200 of them, with each other by highways, 
on which Palestinians can't travel and quite often where Palestinians cannot even cross. <clears throat> so the persecution of the Palestinians now under the occupying territories is you know, under the occupation forces is one of the worst examples of human rights deprivation that I know. Jeff, that was 17 years ago, and every word of it is relevant today, is it not? Or was relevant on October 6th when Gaza existed. It all it also brings tears to my eyes to tell you the truth, because what a wonderful human being Jimmy Carter is, and uh, what a remarkable peacemaker he was at Camp David uh, when he brought uh, Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat together, and they made peace between Egypt and Israel, and showed how it could be done. And uh, I happened to be in. Egypt the following summer and everywhere I went and uh, with the, the peasant farmers, Jimmy Carter, Anwar Sadat, uh, they just loved him uh, of, uh, for, for this peacemaking. So he speaks the truth and he spoke the truth then. This is an apartheid system. Of course, it's an apartheid system. Uh, it's uh, Israel ruling over occupied territories and by design, settling hundreds of thousands of Israelis in the occupied territories, something that the UN Security Council repeatedly called Israel to stop, and Israel ignored all of those uh, appeals, and the United States basically backed Israel explicitly or implicitly in all of these recent years, and again, we need a president of the United States who does the job. Where do you uh, see this going? I mean, the 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 truce or ceasefire, I guess ceasefire has legal implications. The truce will soon be over. They keep extending it. Uh, the Qataris are doing their best to make this permanent. Uh, Netanyahu was under tremendous pressure from the right wing in his, in his uh, cabinet. Uh, ben Gavir even threatened to wreck the government by leaving the cabinet and leaving the government and somehow oh. depriving Netanyahu of a majority. Bless him. That would be <laughs> the greatest contribution to Israel possible. Let this government fall. This is a miserable government. Israel needs a government that represents its real interests, not this miserable right-wing government. So let him leave. Of course, it's obvious. Netanyahu should have stepped down the first day after that terrible Hamas terrorist attack on October 7, because that was a failure of security, and Netanyahu should have taken responsibility. Of course, he shouldn't have been there for months before that, because he was wrecking the society and dividing Israel deeply, and that's one of the reasons why its guard was down on October 7 was all of the divisions within the country. So if Ben Gavir says, I threaten to leave, bless him, leave, break the government, let a government come in that represents Israel's real interests. That would but, be democracy at work. But if, but if he stays and if at the end of the uh, uh, truce for the purpose of exchanging um, hostages, prisoners, no, why is, why are the Palestinians in Israeli jails called prisoners? They haven't had any due process. And the kidnapped Israelis called hostages. They're both hostages, but but whatever. It's it's Orwellian, the use of the words. 
But once the battle resumes, what's going to happen? Are, are regional um, uh, players going to get involved? Is, is uh, President Erdogan uh, of uh, Turkey going to sit back and let the Palestinian people be uh, eradicated? I, I believe that uh, the overwhelming world opinion will, and the U.S. public opinion, will force the U.S. to... Uh, realize that it can no longer protect such war crimes and this kind of behavior for Israel's own good, let me emphasize. So I think that the U.S. will change. When I was in the Security Council last week, it's obvious uh, that basically there's 14 to 1. The U.S. is backstopping Israel, but but understanding more and more it's an untenable situation. Of course, the UK will do whatever the US wants. That's also another rule of, of politics that doesn't quite make sense. But uh, I think the US will change and we will see peace be put into reality, actually, because not only does world opinion want that, all of Israel's neighbors want it also. It's not as if the Arab countries are rejectionist. The Arab and Islamic leaders said in Riyadh, and we talked about it, that a two-state solution also means security for both Israel and Palestine, and it means a normalization of relations between the Arab states and Israel. So we're not far from peace, but that will not happen with the likes of Smotrich and Ben Gavir or Netanyahu uh, leading the show. They want something else, but that's not what the Israeli people want or need. And it's certainly not what uh, the Arab neighbors uh, will accept. And it's uh, not what the United States should ever accept. Professor Jeffrey Sachs from the other side of the world, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your analysis. Thanks for your passion. <laughs> great, great to be with you. We'll see yeah, you again all the, soon. all the best. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank great, you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Coming up uh, later today, uh, Phil Giraldi at 3 o'clock Eastern, Professor John Mearsheimer at 4 o'clock Eastern, and a special guest at 5 o'clock Eastern, Max Blumenthal. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.